And I read from the ninth chapter of Mark, beginning at the 14th verse. When Jesus and the disciples came down to the other disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw Jesus, they were immediately overcome with awe, and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak, and whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams, and he grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. He answered them, you faithless generation, how much longer must must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to Jesus. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you were able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he was able to stand. When Jesus had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind can come out only through prayer. This is the gospel of the Lord. A psychologist by the name of David Heller, who uh, conducted a very long-running uh, research project, and he, one of the things that he did was he collected letters the children had written to God. I wanted to share one of them from you that comes from a book called "Dear God: Children's Letters to God." Dear God, I have doubts about you sometimes. Sometimes I really believe, like when I was four and I hurt my arm and you healed it up fast. But my question to you is this. If you could do this, why don't you stop all the bad in the world? Like war, like diseases, like famine, like drugs. And there are problems in other people's neighborhoods too. I'll try to believe more. Signed, Ian, age 10. Is there anybody in this room here tonight who cannot relate to that child's letter? 
Is there not anybody in it, or is there anybody here in this room tonight who has not asked those very same questions, had those very same doubts? I don't see any hands going up, including mine. So let me state this truth as clearly as I can. Most of us are cursed with a sense of the impossible. And that's precisely why miracles don't happen. Not only that, is it, not, is it the reason that miracles don't happen? It's the reason our lives are so humdrum and so routine, so hemmed in and so dull. It's the reason the church is so flat in its witness that not many stop to take a note of what's going on among Christians. We're cursed with a sense of the impossible. And I'd like for us to look together at this story and to think about a couple of truths. So Jesus had been with Peter, James, and John up on the mountain alone for spiritual renewal and rest. And there on the mountain, he was transfigured in their presence, and Elijah and Moses came to visit with them. Of course, Peter wanted to stay there. I mean, you remember he wanted to stay there and build three tabernacles, one for Jesus, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. But Jesus wasn't having any of that. He was not going to let them stay there because we can never stay on those mountains. We all have to leave those mountain places of excitement and joy and exhilaration and spiritual high and return to the valley. And so they did just that. Well, on coming down from the mountain, they were greeted with the confusion, conflict, and confrontation. But more crucially, they met a man who was in desperate need. His son was possessed by spirits that took his breath away, made him unable to talk, caused him to go into convulsions in the foam of the mouth and grind his teeth. The boy was wasting away. And the father, in desperation, had brought his son to the disciples, asking them to heal him and to cast out the demons. But they couldn't do it. And after his sharp word of disappointment, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? Jesus asked the little boy to be brought to him. In the Father, we have a picture of despair. Yet, in the midst of that despair, a burning hope, a picture of faith that struggles with reality. And he cannot help but rehearse the awful, dreadful condition of his son. He's like that since he was a child, he said. He often throws himself into the fire or into the water and tries to destroy himself. Still painting that awful picture, the faith and the hope of the Father kind of started to bubble a bit to the surface. And so he said, if you can, let your heart be moved with pity and help us. And Jesus, I think, probably interrupted him with, you say, if you can. And then he gives us that ringing text, that bold affirmation that all things are possible to the one 
who believes. In other words, all things are possible to those who have faith. And I want you to understand a couple of big truths here. I think they're important truths. The first one is an absolutely universal truth. It is not unique to Christians. It's a universal worldwide thing. And it is this. <clears throat> In fact, I used to <coughs> pardon me, I used to be a salesman many, many years ago, and one of the things that they taught us as a neophyte salesman was this. To approach anything in the spirit of hopelessness is to make it hopeless. But to approach anything with the spirit of faith is to make it a possibility. See, the tension within us is that sense of the possible struggling with the curse of the impossible. And I know that that's going on with some of us in, in relation to the struggles that we have in our lives, the things that are going on right now. I'm not going to survive this illness. I cannot get out from under this crushing mountain of debt. My spouse is thinking of leaving and there's nothing I can do to save my marriage. Well, let me tell you, we need to let God remove from us the curse of the impossible as we consider all that needs to be done to ensure that we have the future God wants for us. So please remember this truth. You might want to write it down sometime. To approach anything in the spirit of hopelessness is to make it hopeless. To approach anything in the spirit of faith is to make it possible, a possibility. And I want to point out how this truth is, is at work in the story that we're encountering in our gospel reading. And I think we can see it in the attitude of the father of that afflicted child. Originally, he'd come for seeking, seeking for Jesus himself. I mean, he was looking for the man. But since Jesus was on the mountaintop, the father had had to deal with the disciples. His experience with them was discouraging. His faith was badly shaken. So badly shaken that when he came to Jesus, all he could say was, help us if you can. If you can. And then face to face with Jesus, suddenly his faith began to blaze up again. I believe, he cried, if there's still some discouragement in me, Still some doubts. Take them away and feel, fill me with an unquestioning faith. Now, I know that it sometimes happens that people get less than they hope for from some church or from servant, some servant of a church. They come to some church or they come to someone who they think is a man or a woman 
of God, and they think they find themselves disappointed. When that happens, they have to go beyond the church, beyond the servant of Christ to Christ himself. The church will at times disappoint us. And God's servants on earth will at times let us down. But when we battle our way face to face with Jesus, he does not disappoint. So that leads me now to the last truth I want to talk about. And you see, everybody thought that that little boy was dead. But Jesus healed him. And later when he was alone with the disciples, they asked Jesus privately, why were we not able to cast out the demon and Jesus responded to them by saying, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So that leads us to a, the second truth, which is absolutely a distinctively Christian truth. A sense of the possible, empowered by the living Christ, and activated by prayer. The limitless power of God in the valley of our lives is available only by prayer. This is what makes all things possible for those who believe. I want to tell you a true story. It is actually true. Many years ago, I don't know how long ago, but a long time ago, there was a woman in Chicago whose child was desperately ill and who read in the papers that the great Austrian orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Adolf Lorenz, was in the city. And so in desperate faith, she prayed to God that he would send that renowned specialist to her to cure her child. There wasn't any influence to summon him. There wasn't any uh, money to pay him with. Only her prayer in the midst of a busy day. And in the midst of that busy day, Dr. Lawrence went out to relax and to see some of the sights of the city of Chicago. And he wanted to take an hour stroll through one of the neighborhoods. And by coincidence, he had his driver drop him off in the neighborhood in which that woman lived. And as he was walking through the neighborhood, a thunderstorm came upon him and he sought shelter at the nearest house, which coincidentally happened to be the house of the woman who had been praying for God to send him to heal her child. But then the story takes a sad twist. Because you see, when Dr. Lawrence knocked on the door and introduced himself and asked for shelter from that terrible storm, she rudely turned him away and would not allow him entrance into her home. Well, the next morning, the Chicago papers carried that story of what had happened about how he had been rudely turned away when seeking shelter from a storm. And in the home where it all happened, 
a shocked and an incredulous woman, the woman who had not really expected God to send Adolf Lawrence, was overcome by sorrow and remorse because she had missed the opportunity that God had provided. She had prayed for God to send that great physician to her home. He came, but she turned him away. Now, I know that God does not always answer our prayers in such a precise manner, but God does answer our prayers. And hopefully the point of the story would be well taken, that whatever you ask in believing, it'll be so. And so that formula I gave you, that truth I gave you that has been proven as a sense of the possible and powered by the living Christ and activated by prayer. So I'd ask you to carry with you tonight as you go home from here two things, two thoughts. Trust in God and a life of prayer. I encourage you to make prayer central in your life. I know that the times that I have spent so much, a lot of time in prayer have been the most fruitful times of my my life. I have felt closer to God at those times than in any other. And the times when I have not, I have neglected my prayer life, uh, I have felt the absence of God in my life as well. So I urge you to try it. Not for an hour, not for a day, not for a week, but make that the dynamic of your life. Let's pray. God, our Father, we come to you humbly seeking to trust you, to believe in you, And to the extent that we do not believe, to the extent that we struggle with unbelief, help us to believe in you more fully every day. Amen.